I'm the kind of guy who uh, like to treat uh, everybody nice. And, you know, I like success in whether it's business or anything. It was because I treat the people nice. Welcome to the Start Anywhere podcast. You're in the right place if you want to hear inspiring stories and get fired up to live life to the fullest. I'm Crystal Garrett, broadcaster turned podcaster, former national team runner and serial goal getter. Every week you'll hear fascinating stories from people all over the world. Every single person you'll meet once started anywhere and eventually made their dreams come true. The aim of this podcast is to entertain you but hopefully inspire you. Whether you're after a small goal or a big dream, the best place to start is wherever you are right now. So let's go. Let's do this. Let's start anywhere. He, he was, he was my, my role model and he was my friend and he was, uh, he, he believed in me and uh, as uh, father and son, uh, we, uh, we used to go uh, lucky that he took me uh, horseback riding and I knew about horses and actually uh, my, my life was saved because of the horses. Those are the words of George Reinitz reflecting on his father who ultimately saved his life by introducing his son to horses. George was born in 1932 in Hungary but when he was 12 years old his family was rounded up and sent to Auschwitz. Unfortunately his mother and sister did not survive but George was very tall for his age and managed to convince the authorities that he was 16 so he could join his father in the work camp. Before his father had owned a business that exported agricultural products so they were assigned roles working in a farm setting. In fact George was responsible for the care and feeding of the SS officers horses. He'll tell us more about his experiences in our conversation today but conditions were awful. They had to work long hours with little rest and little food. George says his father gave him his rations and tried to protect and encourage his son as best he could but they were constantly under threat of cruel punishment and even death. George credits his father and the friendships he made with helping him survive life in that prison camp. Now, he was liberated in 1945, but his father did not survive. When we chat in a few moments, you'll notice that George is quick to recognize people who have showed him kindness over the years, and he credits his success in life to being kind to others. George moved to Canada in 1948 as an orphan with nothing, but he found friendship and hope through wrestling. He won several national titles and carried the Canadian flag at the 1957 Maccabi Games in Israel. Then he started working and eventually built one of Canada's most successful furniture companies from the ground up. George is still going strong. At age 90, he still has goals and hope for his future. So I'm pleased that George was able to chat with me from his home in Montreal. He was in town for a few days to take care of some business and personal matters. Then he was flying back to Florida where he spends several months a year. Remember, he's 90 and he's still jet-sitting around and living his life fully. I hope you enjoy this inspiring and thought-provoking conversation with George. 
So, George, I understand that when you were in the work camp, you were you were 12 years old, and you'd lied about your age so that you could、um, pass off as older, so you could work alongside your father there. What were you doing with your father in the work camp? Oh, I had a easier job than he did. I was working with、uh, horses, cleaning and、uh, preparing horses for the、uh, officers, riding horses.、Uh, my father was working with working horses and, and, and outside and plowing and、uh, hard work. But、uh, I also、uh, had to work very hard, very long hours, and was very、uh, very tiresome. Um, but I was also supposed to be uh, uh, eliminated, call it, because I couldn't do the work. And it's in a book that tells you that uh, uh, I was saved by、uh, an officer who saw me and、uh, pulled me out of the line, going actually to、uh, to an area where they were doing the、uh, gassing and.、Egg. And the crematorium, and he pulled me out and asked me to teach his son to ride a bike, and that's what I did. I was for a couple of days running after the little kid, teaching him how to ride a bicycle, and from there on, they needed somebody in a warehouse. I was just in time, just lucky to get a job, and that was. Somewhat easier, and、uh, the foreman there was uh, quite uh, uh, sympathetic and understood that I am young, and and it、uh, was a、um, Polish political prisoners who were in Auschwitz,、uh, like、uh, in charge of many、uh, different、uh, different areas. And uh, we were uh, just preparing um, the tools um, the, for the workers, like the cleaning the shovels and the picks, and,、uh, and this was my job there, and that's where I was for a while. And that was an easier work than being in the outside, especially when it came to the winter.、Uh, the winter was very cold. The, the area was very,、uh, quite north, Auschwitz north, and windy. It's、um, we had no clothes, very little clothes. We had just a basic、uh, underwear and a small jacket. It's it's amazing the way that you're telling these stories, George. It's like it was yesterday. Your your recollection is so so fresh and so vivid. Does it feel like it was a long time ago to you? You know,、um, I was always、uh, trying to、uh, put it behind me, and I. But say、uh, for a while it was not so bad, and then after a while it, things come back, and you just cannot、uh, put it under the、uh, carpet, and you know、uh, you get reminded of it every day. There is now Holocaust、uh, survivors in the newspaper, the、uh, stories about、uh, Shoah, and the stories.、Uh, so it keeps it keeps on coming back, and and you just. Cannot uh, just uh, forget it. It's, it's,、uh, it's a, a terrible、uh, thing that works psychologically in, in, in your mind.、Um, it, it, it's uh, uh, you, you cannot uh, 
explain and you cannot tell anybody because you have to feel it to our survivors when we see each other we uh, discuss it we discuss this 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 problem and they said we, we just cannot uh, relay the real uh, feeling we can tell stories but what's inside how you damage the I can only imagine. I know that there's a community of survivors in Montreal, and um, some of them are still alive. I I did a story when I was working at Global about 20 years ago on a fascinating man named Wolf, who who had a running group, and many of the individuals who were older at that time were were survivors, and there seemed to be a kind of um, camaraderie among among those people. So I, I imagine other people in Montreal that you can that you can talk about this if you need to. Well, unfortunately, my uh, my friends, I don't have any left. I I think uh, they all gone, all gone now. And uh, you know, there are some survivors, but not friends, and I don't really yeah, get together with them. Um, but um, uh, the story is still there. Yes. If you can recall, when when you were in the situation of, of dealing with hardship every day and, and not knowing what tomorrow would bring, how did you remain positive? How did you remain optimistic when you were going through the, that devastating time? Well, don't forget, I was 12 years old. so um, I was with my father. So I, we were happy that we were together. That was one of the uh, things that we... Uh, mentioned to each other we're together yet and and and, and we, we supported each other and then uh, uh, my father always said uh, son if you get out of here well, one day we we, uh, we, gonna, we we have to get even somehow <laughs> unfortunately uh, this never happened it was my father died in the march he uh, was uh, on, on, on those dead marches that they took away, uh, some people who could still uh, work. I was sick uh, enough. Um, I had pneumonia, and I was again lucky in a hospital. The doctor saved. So your father was obviously a big, a big source of support for you. Did you, did you envision a life after you got out? Well, after I, after I got out, I was all alone. You know, I was uh, lucky that uh, one of my friend, uh, father's friend has survived, and he uh, took me under his wing, and uh, he put me into a, an orphanage and, uh, in Hungary, and that's where I was. And the orphanage was preparing us to go to uh, Israel, which at that time was still Palestine, 1946, I went in there. And um, we, uh, as you know, the British uh, was blockading and we could not go. In the meantime, uh, there was another opportunity. I, again, my father's friend said that uh, he has contact so I can go to Canada. And Canada was taking take some um, orphans under, under the age of 18. So I signed up and uh, this is how... Uh, I got into Canada. Did you arrive in Montreal? Is that where that was your first stop? 
Halifax with a, with a ship and uh, then to Montreal. Um, the Jewish agency was very uh, accommodating. They took care of us and right away had a, um, arranged for us a, a room and board, uh, got jobs, uh, helped us uh, financially even. Subsidizing the, our salary, which we didn't make enough money. Uh, it was uh, very, very uh, appreciative uh, for me. I still owe them. And you ask me why, why I, I, uh, I give charities, but I'm, I'm happy to do it because somebody gave me the same thing, and and and, and I, I do appreciate. How did the wrestling come into your life? I know that that was it, it made a, a huge impact oh. on your life, and you've impacted others. So let's talk about wrestling. Wrestling, you know, wrestling is my life. <laughs> um, well, you know, I always liked sports. Then I, I then I get that uh, taste for for um, uh, for team sports, I didn't like it because some of the uh, some of my team members uh, they were not uh, doing the best uh, according to me, and they were not uh, uh, putting out the way I I am used to put out and and and, and, and really try to win. I like to win. I like to compete. So I said, here is a sport um, where I, I like to try, and I. I Get to like it right away. It's a sport where it really has a, a, a lot to uh, offer. Uh, of, you need strength, you need confidence and technique. Uh, it, it's, it takes takes a lot of work and, and, and uh, it becomes a chess game. Okay. And besides that, I I was um, don't forget I was persecuted in Europe. We were running away. The Jewish kids were not um, not ready to stand up for themselves, and I, and in in my mind, um, I now I'm ready to uh, stand up, and I should stand up, and uh, and I I like to uh, promote that that we have to be uh, ready uh, not to run anymore. So I did not run, and. Uh, uh, and I stood up, and I uh, I enjoyed the, the competition, and I'm still with um, with the wrestling. Yes, and and I understand that you did very well. What can you share with our listeners, sort of when you were at the peak of your wrestling career? Well, I was Canadian champion and uh, for a while, and and then. Um, I get uh, into business. I can no, I could no longer uh, put in all the effort it needs to, and uh, and I I didn't make the Olympic team, and I, um, I got injured before, and uh, after 12 years of competition, I think uh, I had enough. And uh, but I'm supporting the sport. I, I'm very happy that we are. Um, Creating good citizens, and and every one of them is clean, and it's not it's it's a sport where it's um, it should not get injured. Very seldom does you get injured, 
unfortunately, I got injured. I broke a finger before the Olympics, so that that didn't help me. But um, it, 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 um, the Olympic sport is a, I think, it's a great sport. And we'll talk about your business in a moment, but I know that you donated wrestling facilities to Montreal um, people that are still used today. I know that I've, I checked it out, and it looks like there are youth participating in the wrestling today that, that wouldn't have had that opportunity if you didn't create that facility. So why was it so important for you to really give back and create an actual facility where, where youth could, could wrestle for decades? Well, as I told you before, if somebody gave me, I, 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 there was there was a, uh, a wrestling center before where I went. So, so, so whoever gave that, I, it, 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 it's a, um, I think we owe, we owe uh, to uh, to not to only receive, we have to give. If, and you know what? If you give, you can you receive more. Uh, I I'm the kind of guy who um, like to treat uh, everybody nice. And you know, my success in whether it's business or anything, it was because I treat the people nice and, and I give them. And I, I I had good employees because they were happy. No, you know, I'm happy. To live in a country, which I think is the greatest country in the world. And I've been around, I travel, I know. There's no country like ours in Canada, and people don't realize that. Can't even come, come, compare to what we're getting. So let's, let's give it, and, 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 and I'm, happy, I'm one of those guys that are happy to pay my tax. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to, Pay and you know nobody gets nobody gets broke from paying taxes. Well, that is an extraordinary attitude, George. Let's talk about how you got started in the business. It's pretty remarkable that you really did come with with nothing. How did you how did you get into business? Well, I was working I was working for a company for seven years, and um, I worked myself up in a company where I practically can. Run the company. I, I was I, I, I was uh, into different department, different knowledge. I, I, I met different people, and I I wanted to, to um, get some shares of the company. They wouldn't give it to me, so I said I'm going to start on my own. And uh, I, without without money, I had no money. But uh, people who uh, I dealt with. Uh, the customers or suppliers, they believed in me and they uh, gave me credit and they, uh, and, and they brought for me because they know that I, my Lord was good and, uh, and, and I would make quality product because I proved that I was already seven years experience. I had the experience of seven years at you uh, and they used to deal with me because they, um, the original owners of the company has retired. And, it, and, and the, the next generation that took over has uh, has left me in charge most of the time. So I, I, I knew the business, and that's how I started, very small. Um, of course, I had some of the workers I worked with. They were my friends, and they were very happy to join me. And I, 
as I told you before, I, I treated them right, mm -hmm. and um, took years to uh, to build it up and make mistakes. And uh, you know, uh, the worst thing was that I I have not um, had the education to uh, uh, to administ in administration. I knew the I knew the uh, practical part of it. I know how to make furniture, but I didn't know what a, a, a balance sheet was or anything like that. I, 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 I don't forget I, my education stopped at the, um, five and a half years. Mm. So, uh, but again, um, I found the right accountant, the right lawyers, and um, I wanted to be in business. My, my father was in business. It was a family um, tradition, and uh, and I learned from him actually how to handle employees, how uh, how to motivate them and make be nice. And I, I didn't forget that it was it was already in me. And this is how um, the company, which is today uh, still flourishing, I'm very happy to see it's, it's uh, 67 years old now. Incredible. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's the, you know, and, uh, number one in Canada as far as quality and, 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 and size. In, in the end, I, I sold it out to an American uh, company. I, I got a lot of money. So uh, my family, uh, who today is 24 people with children and uh, six great grandchildren, we have enough money for it or so a lot. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. And it sounds like your father has been a guiding light for you every step of the way, that those lessons he taught you as a boy, even before you, as a role model, as an entrepreneur, and then he supported you through the most difficult times of your lives. It sounds like the, those, la those lessons lasted with you forever. Yes, you're absolutely right. He, he, was, he was my role model, and he was my friend, and he was... Uh, he, he believed in me, and uh, as uh, father and son, uh, we uh, we used to go uh, lucky that he took me uh, horseback riding. I knew about horses, and actually, uh, my, my life was saved because of the horses. Yes. I I, I asked you what what is your uh, knowledge of what you do? I say I said horses. And uh, my father and I, we used to ride horses. Uh, that's why I, I'm here. You have a remarkable outlook on life. You're incredibly positive. You have so much gratitude. You're quick to recognize the kindness of others. Why Why do you think you have that positive outlook on life? Well, <laughs> you know, how lucky I am. I should be positive. I'm living, so you're living the best country. I have a wonderful family. I have a good life. I'm becoming a golfer. Eventually, I don't know where it will be. <laughs> uh, I have a home in Florida. My kids live in some in Florida, some here. So um, I'm going to be 90 years old in two weeks. Well, shouldn't, should, should I be sad? Shouldn't I have... Uh, um, a, a positive attitude. I, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk to you. <laughs>
that's that's wonderful. And so you're you're going to be ninety. Um, and but it said you're learning to golf. So I guess what's what are your passions at the moment? Well, uh, you know, uh, golf and the family mostly. I would say uh, that I try to uh, maintain. I still go to the gym. And work out uh, somewhat, and uh, <coughs> our family very very close, and they keep us busy. When you look back on your life up to this point, because you're obviously still living it fully, but when you look back on the life that you've had to this point, what do you think you're most proud of? I'm proud of my kids, of course. Um, every one of them, every one of them is. Uh, very a good citizen, honest, hardworking, and uh, and uh, no tattoos, no ring in the nose. <laughs> uh, today is a, it's an achievement, and you know it, it's um, teamwork with, with my dear wife, who also uh, who is the one who uh, set the, uh, uh, the the rules in the house. I, I was uh, I was working a lot and uh, mind you I, I pitched in too because you know uh, the, uh, she used to use the uh, slogan it says if you don't if you don't do it that day I'm gonna tell you apart <laughs> but uh, I, I'm very proud of my kids very very proud of uh, the family and uh, of course I'm proud of uh, my wrestling. Uh, Achievement. Um, I'm very happy with it. I, you know, uh, I had no um, uh, reason to be uh, that good. I started late. You know, at the age of 17, people start a sport like that at the, at the uh, nine years old, eight, nine, ten, and uh, I had to work hard, and uh, and um, it gave me a, a lot of confidence that I can do. Uh, Things that uh, if I make up to do things, uh, it's it possible. And this is what I'm trying to tell the, the wrestlers and my family. Says, you, if you work hard, you can play hard, and and and, and, and you can you can uh, work smart. Uh, you can achieve a lot of things. We always like to end the episode with a guest giving some advice to people listening on how they can take stock of where they are in their lives right now and make the most of the time they have left. What advice would you give to our listeners right now about waking up and living their life to the fullest? You can uh, uh, have challenges till you die. Uh, Even even to uh, read a book or certain books, it's a challenge. It's not to... Stay uh, uh, idle. It's, it's, I believe in uh, you know. Uh, it's, it's, you have to you have to keep keep going and don't have too much time to feel sorry for yourself. Uh, this, this is how I I look at it. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. My health is not not too bad. But uh, you know, it's, uh, I have my issues. I have my issues, but uh, meantime, I'm grateful that I'm here. When you look back on that time in your life when you and your father were working together in the work camp, um, 
when you think back, what emotion do you have? Are you angry about that time? Are you upset? Like, how how do you think about that time now? You know, uh, I feel I feel somewhat angry. I feel um, that uh, some people say that um, forgive and stand and whatever. Let's let's continue. I don't feel I don't feel that I. I, I don't think uh, everything is forgivable. I, I'm angry. I, I, I'm, I'm angry inside of me. I am angry. Uh, I, I don't use it. I don't show it. But if you ask me, uh, I'm not afraid to say that uh, I, I can't comprehend how people could be like that and how they enjoyed uh, the way they treated us and the way they, they slaughtered us and, 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 and it, it's uh, I am I am angry I am angry um, just as angry with the West as with with, with, with the the East with the Germans I I don't think uh, the nice uh, U.S. president was uh, uh, doing the right thing. I don't, England was wanted to get rid of us. And every, it was a it was a um, a joint effort to get to to slaughter us. How how can I how can I I mean I have to be stupid not to see that. Uh, 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 people they, they shovel under the, the carpet. I'm li- I'm li- I'm living with it. And I think that it's extraordinary that you've written a book and that you're open with sharing your experiences because it is a story that needs to be told, that people need to know that real people were impacted by the cruel decisions of other real people. So before we go, I guess, is there, with this opportunity to to share with our listeners, is there anything that you want our listeners to know about your experience or know about the lessons you've learned from what you've been through? Well, I I appreciate your your interview and I am... I like to um, tell the people how I feel, I, and I like to tell the people to uh, be careful and uh, don't trust uh, your government or other governments 100%. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things that uh, we don't know what's going on in uh, behind the scenes, and um, have to question. And again. Uh, I appreciate Canada because I think today Canada is a country that is an example for the world. Well, thank you so much, George, for your time today. My pleasure. I want to say thank you again to George for taking time to share his thoughts with us and for being so open and honest about his experiences. It's truly remarkable that despite the fact he experienced unspeakable cruelty as a boy, he chose to lead with kindness over and over again in his life, and that kindness helped him succeed in wrestling, in business, and in his community. George established two wrestling centers in Montreal, one of which is at the YMYWHA in Montreal, and is still used today by men, women, and youth. If you'd like to know more about George's incredible story, you can read his autobiography called Wrestling with Life. I'll put the link in the show notes. George has also shared his story with thousands of people in schools and as a volunteer with the Montreal Holocaust Museum. George is living proof that you can live life to the fullest at every age and that you can overcome extraordinary obstacles, even the worst of humanity, and it's possible to live a life filled with joy and purpose. 
And I have to thank my friend Fred, whom I met back when I was working at Global TV in Montreal. He connected me with George. Fred and I met about 20 years ago when I did a story on a fascinating man named Wolf, who is now 97. Back then, Wolf was in his 70s, and he led a running group of people of all ages called the Wolf Pack. They ran every week together, and every time someone in the group had a birthday, they would run as many kilometers as that person's age. So even if the person was in their 70s, they ran 70 kilometers. Can you imagine being in your 60s and 70s yourself and running 70 kilometers in one day? I'm a runner, and I cannot. And that's one of the reasons why I did the story on these remarkable people. And Wolf is also a Holocaust survivor and a remarkable person. And I hope to visit him soon and sit down with him to hear his story in person. And my goal is to share that conversation with you in Season 2. Next on the Start Anywhere podcast, meet a petite woman with a huge mission to help women reach their greatest potential. We have no idea who we are. We have absolutely no idea. You, you will discover who you are in the process of creating your business. You will be, you'll discover yourself in the process of giving birth, of being a mom, of being in a relationship. It is being human is our purpose. Asanda Medicane is a singer-songwriter and luxury strategist who has started anywhere a few times in her life. The first time was when she left her small town in South Africa to pursue her dream of working in the film industry. She became outrageously successful and then realized she was miserable. So she started anywhere again, and this time as an entrepreneur to help other women become successful. Asanda shares her stories and her success strategies next on the Start Anywhere podcast. Thanks for listening to the Start Anywhere podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, consider giving it a five-star review before you go. This makes a huge difference in helping people find the podcast more easily. And we're trying to start a movement of positivity here. Before we go, I want to give special thanks to Mike Boyd, who produces this show in the Podcast Atlantic Studios in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks again for listening. And until we meet again, remember, whether you're folding a pile of laundry or chasing a big dream, the best thing you can do is start anywhere. Thank you.